0: Beginning
1: with verse 7, and I'll read until the end of the chapter. So uh, settle in
0: <laughs> for a long but hopefully fruitful reading of the Word of God. Uh, when Just a minute, right. you will hear uh, your minister say words you never thought he would say from... The, uh, the pulpit, but it is the words of the Bible. And so we we, we did not, we did not. well, we may shrink to preach to you the whole counsel of God, but we don't shirk that responsibility. How that. All right, Ezekiel chapter 16, beginning with verse 7. I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up, and became tall, and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vows to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen, and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments, and put bracelets on your wrists, and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose, and earrings, in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen, and silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, and honey, and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful, and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. But you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown, and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments, made for yourself colorful shrines, and on them played the whore. The like has never been nor ever shall be. You also took your beautiful jewels of my gold and of my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself images of men, and with them lay the whore. And you took your embroidered garments to cover them, and set my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread that I gave you, I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey, you set before them for a pleasing aroma. And so it was, declares the Lord God. And you took your sons and your daughters, whom you born to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? And in all your abominations and your whorings, you did not remember the days of your youth, when you were naked and bare, wallowing in your blood. And after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord God, you built yourself a vaulted chamber. And made yourself a lofty place in every square at the head of every street you built your lofty place and made your beauty an abomination offering yourself to any passerby and multiplying your whoring. you also played the whore with the egyptians your lustful neighbors multiplying your whoring to provoke me to anger behold therefore i stretched out my hand against you and diminished your your allotted portion and delivered you to the greed of your enemies The daughters of the Philistines, who were ashamed of your lewd behavior, you played the whore also with the Assyrians, because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them, and still you were not satisfied. You multiplied your whoring also with the trading land of Chaldea, and even with this, you were not satisfied. How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street, and making your lofty place in every square. You were not like a prostitute because he scorned payment adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband men give gifts to all prostitutes but you gave your gifts to all your lovers bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings so you were different from other women in your whorings no one solicited you to play the whore and you gave payment while no payment was given to you therefore you were different therefore O oh prostitute hear the word of the lord thus says the lord god because your lust was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your hoardings with your lovers and with all your abominable idols, and because of the blood of your children that you gave to them, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, all those you loved and all those you hated. I will gather them against you from every side and will uncover your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. And I will judge you as women who commit adultery and shed blood are judged and bring upon you the blood of wrath and jealousy and I will give you into their hands, and they shall throw down your vaulted chamber, and break down your lofty places. They shall strip you of your clothes, and take your beautiful jewels, and leave you naked and bare. They shall bring up a crowd against you, and they shall stone you, and cut you to pieces with their swords. And they shall burn your houses, and execute judgments upon you in the sight of many women. I will make you stop playing the war, and you shall also give payment no more. So, I satisfy my wrath on you, and my jealousy shall depart from you, I will be calm, and I will no more be angry, because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me with all these things. Therefore, behold, I have returned your deeds upon your head, declares the Lord God. Have you not committed lewdness in addition to all your abominations? Behold, everyone who uses Proverbs will use this proverb about you, like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother, who loathed her husband and her children, and you are the sister of your sisters, who loathed their husbands and their children. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father Amorite, and your elder sister is Samaria, who lived with her daughters to the north of you, and your younger sister, who lived to the south of you, is Sodom with her daughters. Not only did you walk in their ways and do according to their abominations, but in a very little time... You are more corrupt than they in all your ways. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty, and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Samaria has not committed half your sins. You have committed more abominations than they, and have made your sisters appear righteous by all the abominations that you've committed, bear your disgrace, you also, for you have intervened in on behalf of your sisters, because of your sins, in which you acted more abominably than they, they are more the right than you, so be ashamed, you also, and bear your disgrace, for you have made your sisters appear righteous, I will restore their fortunes, both the fortunes of Sodom and her daughters, and the fortunes of Samaria and her daughters, and I will restore your own fortunes and their that you may bear your disgrace and be ashamed of all that you've done, becoming a consolation to them. As for your sister Sodom and her daughter shall return to the former state in Samaria, and her daughter shall return to their former state, and you and your daughter shall return to your former state. Was not your sister Sodom a byword in your mouth in the day of your pride? For your wickedness is uncovered. Now you become an object of reproach to the daughters of Syria and all those around her, and to the daughters of the Philistines, those all around you despise them. You bear the penalty of your lewdness and your abomination, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, I will deal with you as you've done, you who have despised your oath and breaking the covenant. Yet, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth. And I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you take your sister, both your elder and your young and I give them to you as daughters, but not on account of the covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded and never open your mouth again because of your shame. When I atone for you, for all that you have done, declares the Lord. God.
1: At all. Was it off for when I read? Yeah. I will try to speak loudly. I know they're not doing anything on the live stream. All in God's good providence. That's
0: right. <laughs> um, are they?
1: Um, the um, yeah, it, it is a difficult passage of scripture to read, and the language is, is harsh and it is explicit. Um, Ezekiel is plain speaking all through um, all through this book. He doesn't mince words. Oh. No. Oh, but he but he here he comes <laughs> to metaphor that we heard introduced in this morning's text, the uh, beginning of 16, is uh, make known to Jerusalem just how bad our uh, rebellion is, or sin on rebellion is her of her origin uh, and it's become like the pa- very pagan nations that the Lord uh, commanded that, uh, be, uh, that they be, uh, conquer and remove uh, from the land. Let me shift from this description of uh, taking this exposed infant and all of the the uh, degradation of that infant and adopting that infant and raising her until she becomes beautiful. So before the bride is faithless, Glory. I find myself having to school young men. I, I'm in I'm my Mr. Wedding at Chapel this year. <laughs> and, that's, and there we go, it's working now. <laughs> 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 and, but, I, but I find that in, in our current culture that, that sometimes I have to school young men, in, particularly in this area, that, that the wedding... It's all about the bride. She is to be the focus of attention. And it is, uh, and that is true uh, all through uh, the scripture. Uh, as I point out, pointed out many times before, the Bible begins with a wedding. It has weddings all through the middle of it, and it ends with this wonderful description of, of Christ returning for his bride. And so the metaphor of God's people being God's bride is not something that just comes along in Ephesians chapter 5, which is the most wonderful passage in in Scripture about Christian marriage. We are the people of God. We are the bride of Christ. And And it shouldn't surprise anyone that that's nothing new in the New Testament. It's a very ancient truth and we see it here. God's people, Old and New Testament, are considered to be his bride. And here is a beautiful bride. Uh, You you flourished like a plant in the field. You grew up, you became tall and ripe and full adornment. And then it describes the the flowering of, of womanhood. And then you 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 grew uh, mature. You kind of came to the age of marriage, and we have this metaphor for marriage that we find also in the Book of Ruth, where God says He spread His garment over her and entered into the covenant of marriage with her, and uh, bathed her and uh, and anointed her, and did all these incredible things to bring her into a relationship with himself. Gave her fine jewelry. I mean look how contemporary this is. Ring in the nose. Mm. I, I had a friend years ago who was at Westminster Seminary and he was worried about the drift in Philadelphia and he was worried about the drift at Westminster Seminary. He said, you know, I went into the bookstore and a young lady was working at the desk and she had a ring in her nose. I said, well, have you read uh, Ezekiel? Uh, where, where the ring in the nose is described as the beautiful adornment of God's work. He didn't know what to say to me. I had already <laughs> graduated from seminary. So I these are marks of beauty these are marks of adornment and so there, there is this uh, in, incredible um, intense uh, uh, relationship between God and his people he made you the languages he made you, he made you uh, this large expansive people When God called, uh, John Calvin says that when God called um, Israel out of Egypt, there were only 250, um, oh no, I'm sorry, when they went into exile into Egypt um, with with Jacob and his sons, there were only 250 in that company. And when they came out under the leadership of Moses, there were nearly a million. So God took this. Bride, married it, caused it to flourish into this mighty nation, and brought brought her out of bondage, and bestowed on her the promised land. We've we've uh, and this jewelry and these uh, is is not merely a ring and not merely earrings; it's a crown. Part of the beauty of the bride is a crown. She's a royal princess. Some of you are familiar with my wife's art. Is your crown your crown still here? Is it, it's, no, at home? No, it's at home. Yeah, we have that at home. And my wife uh, has a series of, of paintings of, uh, which have a background of cracked plaster it shows the degradation of the world, and then then shows uh, a crown. And she models it after some of the some of the uh, which is turned upside down as a necklace. It's, yeah. And uh, the the the. Uh, everybody's focusing on Queen Elizabeth's passing and her crowns Uh, they can also be worn as necklaces and turned the other way Um, again it's a picture this wonderful picture of a beautiful bride and then all of a sudden there's this turn in verse 15 and where does the turn begin it begins in faithlessness. The other thing I, I always begin in, in uh, premarital counseling is talking about the foundation. What is the absolute foundation of your marriage relationship? And it's trust. It's trust. And if you do not have trust, your, your, your marriage relationship is going to be shaky at best as long as the bride and the groom trust each other, and here the initiative is is solely with God and and, and sadly the response of the bride is she began to think that her beauty and her adornment was something that she brought about for herself. There it is in verse 15. But you trusted in your beauty. The it works well, but so it's in my mind, too, all the weddings I've done, but I use a paper by Dr. Henry Cromedon, uh who was the professor for many years at Covenant College, our denominations college, and while Dr. Cromedon was there, the students were well-schooled in, in biblical theology and, and in marriage, and he, I have uh, landed in my possession his original syllabus of, of uh, his class on marriage. And then rather, and written in the probably 80s, early 1980s, or if not earlier, uh, can't, I, it describes in very blunt and very realistic uh, um, language, the besetting sins of uh, men in marriage and the besetting sins of women. Not merely in marriage, but in life. And we see it here, historically. The upsetting sin in men is easy. It's lust. It's, often, it's personal gratification at the expense of uh, another. That's just, and, and all you have to, and, and this is what is uh, uh, described here. The setting sin of women is not lust, it's the lust to be lusted after. And here it is on display. Israel, rather than desiring solely her covenant relationship with her husband, lusts after the uh, idols of the surrounding nation and even going into graphic detail of what she does with those idols. It is uh, difficult language. Even my new uh, tablet doesn't like this discussion. It keeps blinking off. She becomes a faithless bride. The depth of the unfaithfulness. Pride is the, is the root of all sin, we know that, right? It's the sin, it's the arrogance of the devil who led a rebellion with his uh, fellow rebellious angels in heaven who spilled over onto the earth, I believe, at the time of the creation. Um, I can't prove that but speculating from other parts of Scripture. I think it happened nearly simultaneously. The rebellion in heaven fell to the earth, and that rebellion um, spread to all mankind, to all their posterity. Mm-hmm. What is that sin? It is the sin of thinking that I am God, and that I am the captain of uh, my own fate, and I <laughs> control my own destiny. And the ultimate manifestation for that is is uh, whatever whatever is necessary for my own pleasure and well-being. And you see here how it ended up. Uh, Not only is this horrible um, sexual sin, in verse 20, the end of that sin is the sacrifice to the malach God of infants. Over a thousand years before this, God told Israel in the book of Leviticus that if she rebelled against him, broke the terms and the stipulations of the covenant, one of the consequences of that would be they would sacrifice their children to foreign gods. One of the reasons I know the Bible is the word of God and is faithful? Is it tells me that? I mean, as difficult as this passage is, I'll be honest. I would I would rather read this J than some of the passages in Leviticus describing the various rebellions that God hates. You know, they're painful to read. I had a friend in the seminary. It was Rocky McKelvin. He was from California, and he moved back to Mississippi to teach us all kinds of uh, proper ways of behaving anyway we sent him back to california educated <laughs> but i remember uh so 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 well he had a preaching assignment in providence louisiana at the first Presbyterian church and that church had for a hundred years the custom of the pastor reading consecutively through the scriptures The day that Rocky arrived at Providence Presbyterian Church, uh, that church in uh, Providence, Louisiana, in Lake Providence, he landed on one of those very difficult passages in the Book of Leviticus, and he broke a hundred-year tradition. (laughs) So I'm very proud of Jay for soldiering through. The Bible Bible doesn't sugarcoat things; It, it tells. It tells us with it tells us the grim uh, depths of rebellion against God. Nothing, none of these things that are so wicked that are that are confronting us today in our culture that has totally set the Bible aside and, and the truth in it aside. None of those things should surprise the people who do study their Bible and do read it, including the Book of Ezekiel. God is telling a faithful account of what happens when his people are faithless. Cease trusting him and rather trust in their own beauty, pride, gifts that are all sourced from the Lord to begin with. And the result is judgment and disaster. because it's not only israel who suffers it's all the surrounding enabling nations god doesn't uh, clear clear the guilty verses 23 through 29 they're guilty parties all around they are going to be judged as well They've taken God's temple, his city, and made it into a house of prostitution. And by prostitution means the the, uh, worshiping of the false idols of the Babylonians and of the Egyptians that they began to adore. But they were not alone. You make these places to, to worship these false gods. You, you play the prostitute with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors. You multiply them. I delivered you to the greed of your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines, who were ashamed. Maybe you made the Philistines ashamed. Your, your, your lewdness and your vulgarity was so bad. You played the prostitute with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. And then you continued with the land of Chaldea or Babylon. And even this did does, does, does not satisfy you. And the assessment is you have a sick Heart. Where do Where do these things come from? They come from a sick heart. We, we have. There's a cultural phrase. You know, we use it sometimes. It unintentionally, this bubbles up, and we don't have anything better to say. We, we say, "Well, at least you had a good heart, right? Your heart was in the right place." In the South, the worst uh, insult of all. Bless your heart. No, your heart is not a good thing. Jeremiah, Ezekiel's contemporary, describes it in chapter 17, verse 9 the heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. It is deceitful above all else. Who can know it? Becomes a prostitute, a faithless bride, and other, and and not only for herself, she leads others to join in the degradation. When God gives uh, gives His people, when He gives individual. I think this is one of those kingdom principles, so I'll make a kingdom application. But He gives you great privileges. He gives you great. Uh, Benefits. if you've been raised in a Christian home, if you've been taught the truths of, of God's Word from childhood, if you've had all these benefits given to you, then you have a great responsibility to believe them and to hold on to them. Everyone is, is responsible. But what he's saying is because I've set my special love upon my people and granted them these special gifts, their, their degradation and their rebellion... Uh, is much greater. And, and normally Ezekiel says in, in very frank language normally the man pays the prostitute. The degradation is so great that the pride, the, 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 the faithless adulterous bride of God pays these others to participate in this prostitution. That's how bad this has become. We, we live in that culture, don't we? It, it, it cannot be more, you know, and, and it's it's rather Pollyannish of me or of Jay to uh, wince at reading something that is just commonplace. So this, this is just like at every turn in our culture, you can't look at, uh, 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 at anything without this being constantly in your face, uh, whether it's a, a rock star and how and their degradation and, and wickedness is glorified or, or a, a movie star or, or whomever. Uh, the the personality the political personalities we, we, we get treated to all the, uh, the, uh, the awful shameful details of degradation and uh, and rather than repent of it the, the culture around us glorifies it and this is the sin this is the, the prideful arrogance that Ezekiel is warning. Is is not warning; is pronouncing judgment upon. If we become adulterous in a way that is beyond the pale, where does this adultery come from? It comes from pure arrogance. It comes back to this theme again: all of these good gifts. Have resulted in in um, a wanted desire to have worship in for themselves in this um, very degraded way. It's a a, a picture that is hard uh, to look at. Look at the language. I will, I will satisfy my wrath on you, he says in verse 42. My jealousy shall depart from you. I will, calm, will be calm and not be angry because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but you've enraged me you know, with all these things. But I've returned them all in your head, declares the Lord. You know, all of the lewdness. There's going to be a proverb. Just like mother... Like the mother, like daughter. You're, you are the daughter of your mother. You loved her husband and her children, and the sister of your sisters. And again, here's that language that we saw this morning. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father an Amorite. The Hittites were the ones who occupied Jerusalem in the conquests, and they were they were run out. The Amorites go back to the Babylonian. They were like the hill the hill people. Uh, who, uh, lived, but what they had in common is they were all pagans. And God had told them to drive out of the land. And they didn't drive them out of the land, but adopted their ways. God promises that he will take the proud and judge them. Uh, verse 49, Behold, this is the guilt of your sister Sodom. And she compares them to Sodom, the most degraded nation ever. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease. This theme of pride and arrogance is repeated over and over again. And every time I see it in the scripture, I can't help but think of the modern movement that we're supposed to all rejoice in called Pride. What a name! What an apt name for rebellion against God. It is exactly what it is. And God will judge it. He will have none of it. And that is the promise here. I'll close with a point that I didn't originally intend to make. I thought, how do you how do you divide this chapter up? It's like this one this this piling of judgment upon judgment. I didn't want to stop at uh, at verse uh, 50, 52 um, with the shame and disgrace, which is where where sin always leads, where uh, degradation always leads. It leads to shame and disgrace. But the gospel is in this book of judgment. The gospel is here. And the promise of grace is here. I, I was so impressed with David dog last weekend. I thought, well, how is he going to deal with this? And Hosea is, is one of those, is just a contemporary of Ezekiel. And he deals with the same thing. It's true. As degraded as God's people become, he promises he will always restore them when they return to him. You, you don't have to look far in the Bible. When you wade through these passages and you wade through 53 verses of, or 52 verses of Isaiah, of Ezekiel rather 16, and you finally come to verse 53. And you have this high note of grace. The promise of a gracious covenant. I will restore their fortunes, both the fortunes, and not just Jerusalem, not just uh, 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 Judah, I will restore the fortunes of Sodom and her daughters. The most degraded person who turns to the Lord can be restored. That's the message. Oh, that's such good news for sinners. And Samaria, those northern tribes that had been deported 10 years ago and had already been whacked uh, to the point where they're lost. You want to restore them? You're your sister Sodom gave a by word in your mouth in the, day, in the day of your pride God is is uh, going to restore I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant uh, what is which covenant Uh I'm of the mind that there are two great covenants. There's a covenant of works that was in Genesis uh, 1 and 2. And the failure of that covenant is described in Genesis 3. And then in Genesis 3.15, he institutes a gracious covenant, which manifests itself in different ways. It manifests itself with the covenant of Noah. It manifests itself with, the, with uh, the covenant with Abraham. It manifests itself with the covenant of David. Second Samuel 7, if you want to read about it. Incredible. And I think you have to read that to understand these passages. But look at that. Look at verse 16. Yet I will remember my covenant with you. In spite of all the degradation, all the wickedness, all the sin, all the rebellion, Yet, I will remember my covenant with with you. It is a gracious, unconditional covenant. And he will establish it for an everlasting generation. God will bring his people to himself. Uh, Daniel chapter 9. Ezekiel, Daniel, chapter nine. We have very similar language. 27. And I will make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come who makes one who makes desolate until the decreed in, is poured out on the desolate. And then Hosea chapter 2. Again, a contemporary of Ezekiel. It's good when God's anointed preachers are saying the same things at the same time. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground, and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. And you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in the land. I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Those are the words that David the Duck uh, preached from last week. I'll return to a bookend with that as well. God promises his people again in Jeremiah 24. He's going to give them a heart to know that he is the Lord. And that they shall be his people. And that they will, uh, he will be their God. They shall worship them with their whole heart. That's God's purpose in, 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 in history, in making mankind and creation and everything that's in it, uh, including somehow, mysteriously, the fall of a man into sin. And that is glorious good news for us that we do not have to fear, we do not have to worry, we do not have to fret. That God holds His people faithfully in his hands, and he has a glorious future for all his people, the the Jew first and also the Greek, and that's all of us tonight. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these difficult passages that we waded through this morning and this evening. Um, It it is uh, strange to get comfort from such uh, harshness when you declare your judgment, but you will not put up with an unfaithful bride and you will keep dealing with us as part of your bride until we turn to you. And thank you for the one who made that promise that he who began this work in us will complete it until the day of Christ. And Father, we do look forward to that day when every wrong is righted, when justice is absolutely perfect, uh, when when the things that uh, trouble us and assail us are healed, when we are reunited with our loved ones who have gone before us, while it's been a trying several weeks in Covenant Church, we thank you for your gracious provision for us in Christ. We ask that we would uh, be strengthened in these trials and count it all joy uh, in these trials and. and And be filled with strength as a result of having fed upon Christ in his word. We thank you for the wonderful, glorious salvation that is ours now and is to come. We pray in his name. Amen.